The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Bill. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Excited to have Sean Hackett join us now on the Final Bell. He is with Hackett Financial Advisors. Sean, first of all, welcome to the Final Bell. We appreciate uh, you joining us and some of the commentary that folks are going to be hearing. Today, you, you brought up an interesting comment as we were talking before we started this program. It's time for a pause. It's time for a pause in these markets. You're talking about us being a, a corrective type of period. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've had a big rally off of the, uh, you know, the drought in Argentina, the drought in the Southern Plains, and, and um, we feel we, we, we've kind of gotten the most we can get out of those uh, weather rallies for now. We have to remember that large old crop supplies are in farmers' hands, need to be sold, prices are fairly attractive, and, and we think that um, as speculators, you know, start to take profits, as they always do, and farmers increase their selling of hay, uh, ahead of the planting season, you know, it, it's a time for the markets to have a corrective period, uh, some, some downward movement, sideways trading, but we think most of the momentum for the upside that we've seen is probably over for now until we get into, you know, more into the springtime season. Well, work is already getting underway in, in the southern areas of our country, and I actually saw yesterday going across nebraska saw some folks out there doing some tillage work so spring is here but the guys to the south have dealing with a lot of dryness is that going to cause any concern for you guys as you look at the markets well the area that we're concerned about is really the state of texas you know the, the drought is, is pretty severe there um and for you know markets like cotton um and and, uh, and other grain markets uh, you know that are that are planted there you know, we think Texas could be a problem for planting in terms of not getting it all in the ground or if they do you know having excessive abandonment rates because uh, you know the crops just don't take so so we do think that could be an issue but we don't think the market will worry about that right now I think that'll be a concern as we move into April more than it is in March and of course we have the the year the month end uh, reports of, of planting intentions and coil of grain stocks reports, which will have a, uh, you know, kind of set the bar for what the expectations are for the upcoming growing season in many markets. You know, we'll have that report coming out. We'll throw in a, a Easter holiday on, on Friday the 30th. It's really going to make for some interesting times as we finish up the month of March. Absolutely. You know, I mean, these are always big reports. There's always reports that tend to surprise in a lot of the cases. And with the markets having gotten, uh, gotten uh, uh, more volatile, and with a lot more speculators kind of uh, kind of moving into our markets, it does set the stage for uh, maybe some more increased volatility than we've been accustomed to during the boring years that we've had the last few years where just nothing much was happening. Do you think we kind of have fallen into that doldrums? Because you do talk about how it has been kind of on the quieter side the last couple of years, and now we throw it at, you know, a little bit of excitement going into this year's planting. Well, we have to remember that... The last, the black, the back half of last year was the lowest volatility in grains in 25 years. I mean, it, we, we we simply just went completely to sleep, and and then we're finally waking up. You know, Mother Nature having a lot to do with it. The stock market troubles kind of usually force some money into the to the commodity markets. The U.S. dollar kind of being in a bearish phase. All this is sort of changing the money flows a little bit and giving some more excitement to our markets and creating some greater some greater movement. We always say to our customers, if markets aren't moving, 
you, you, there's no opportunity to do anything smart. So we're we're happy volatility's improved, and we're and we're happy that it's giving us some some more opportunities to do things either either on the buy side or the sell side, depending on where we're at. You know, we've been talking on on the final bell, and obviously everybody has about what's been happening in South America with their weather. Um, obviously, you guys are more focusing on what's to come weather wise. But double crop areas of Brazil, is there some concerns if they don't get some moisture in the next couple of days? Absolutely. Um, there's no question that uh, the second crop corn you know, could be in trouble. We may not get all those acres in. Remember, we had quite a few less acres in the uh, first crop corn. So the anticipation was that we would get more acres in the second crop and kind of make some of that ground up. But that we do think there's a good chance that that area will come up short on moisture and that we, we may come up short on acres. And the total aggregate corn production on first and second uh, crop corn in Brazil you know, could fall further than even the current expectation. So it, it's a good, it, it certainly is a supportive uh, fundamental factor for corn um, and, and may not have a, it may not be a driving force here in mid-March, but we think it could be a driving force once we get into April and those numbers become more solidified. Good things to think about. Export numbers, I kind of want to look at that. Corn saw some stronger numbers so far this week. Yeah, the corn numbers have been fantastic. I mean, you know, we've we really been pleased with those numbers, and it, and it kind of makes sense. We we know both South American countries, uh, Brazil and Argentina, are going to be short from last year. We know those exportable supplies uh, are going to be down. We know the only place in the world that really has large above-ground corn stocks to sell is the U.S. So it makes logical sense that buyers getting a bit concerned about what might be coming are trying to get ahead of it by buying extra extra corn from the U.S. So it's it's a positive factor. We don't see corn exports, uh, you know, being anything but strong for you know, the majority of this year. Uh, you know, we think that's going to be a, a bright spot as we move forward, and we think it's going to continue to draw down our corn stocks below what is the current expectations are. I mean, we think the USDA will have to raise export numbers in future reports and whittle away at those ending stocks, kind of like they did in the last report. You know, when they they surprisingly moved corn stocks down almost a couple hundred million bushels below expectations. So that's that's a positive sign for the corn market in intermediate term. Did the soybeans, though, fall short on expectations this week? Soybeans are different. All, everything we see, everything in our context tells us is that you know, Brazil is just going to have a monster, monster crop. So it's not at the tail of two different crops. Argentina clearly is going to have a low crop and clearly going to have problems, but they're a soybean meal exporter. You know, not a soybean exporter. So there's a big difference, and 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 and, and so the, the the availability of beans is going to be more readily available as the harvest continues. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial Advisors. Again, new to the Final Bell, lots of wealth of information in in the first half. We've got to talk about the wheat. They took a hit. There's been a lot of talk about how extremely dry it is in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. All those being factored into the drop that we've seen in this trade? Well, I I think the reason that when we're taking a rest, it's because there are, you know, there's quite a few old crop stocks that need to be sold, and that's pressuring the market. But more importantly, right now, you know, we, we've, we, the crop conditions are about as bad as they can get, and we really can't hurt the crop too much more until we really get into the 
post-dormancy growth phase, which really sets in in April. So, so when we did look at history and look at analogs of how these kinds of droughts play out, you tend to get your initial surge into early March, a rest period, and then a secondary surge into April, May, where highs are typically made. So, so we think this rest is perfectly normal, but we do not think it's the end of the price rise for winter. We, we think there's another leg higher, and we've been telling our customers to be looking for $6 winter week come April, May. We think that could be where a more important top could come and where you know, more longer-term hedging should be made. So, so we're still constructed on the market, but we do anticipate this weakness could last into the early part of April before we get it going again. Good things to think about, especially as they make those marketing plans heading into the, further into the spring months. I'm sorry, what was that? I would say good things to keep in mind, especially as they start making plans for marketing into the rest of the spring. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very good to have a kind of a, kind of a, a roadmap of what's to come. Absolutely. Hey, Sean, I'm wondering, let's switch over to the livestock side. We've had some struggles in the cattle, a triple-digit losses happening early on in the trading session. What are your thoughts on the way they've been trading? Well, you know, we, we've been pretty bearish this livestock sector. We have been since the end of the year. And it really, you know, kind of just stems from the idea that in cattle, for example, we're seeing one of the largest supply increases from first quarter to second quarter in 25 years. And, and, and what, what's been holding up the cattle market has been, you know, this extremely strong exports that have been coming out. But we've been concerned that the market, you know, might back away a little bit, especially with, you know, some of the trade talk concerns, some of the tariff concerns. And the numbers we've been looking at is the net trade uh, beef numbers have, are, are kind of way down here over the last couple of months. So what we're seeing is net exports come pulling back just as supply is reaching these these very, very high levels. And when we did an analysis of prior times where we've seen similar kind of fundamental underpinnings, it's meant significant declines in cattle prices between 10 and 12% heading into April before a bottom was made. We're down about 7% now from the high. So, so we're, we're further along in the decline, but we still think there's more to go before you know, we can say or we're comfortable feeling that a bottom has been put in. So we would look for April lows maybe another 5% down from here. So how does that set up as we head into the summer month contracts for these cattle? Well, then you're going to get a bounce. And what's going to happen is, is that we, we, we tend to see seasonal reductions in supply as you move into the third quarter. You have typical you know, summer demand, grilling demand that tends to kick in seasonally. So it would be a time that we would expect a bounce in the cattle market. Not a bull market, you know, not a market that's going to come rip higher and keep going, but, but a credible rally that producers can sell into uh, during typically July peak. So, so we, would use, uh, we would use the April low as an opportunity for end users to get their needs met, and we would use some kind of a midsummer high for producers to get longer-term hedging done for the third and fourth quarters. Are we seeing for the feeder cattle some of the lowest price levels so far this marketing year? Right now we are. And, and as I said, we don't, we don't think that that's the, we're, we're done with that just quite yet. We think, we think we have further to go. Feeder cattle lead the livestock of cattle market down. Uh, so we like to look at the feeder cattle market as a leading indicator for what we expect to see in, in the facts. So uh, right now, feeder cattle are leading the charge down. And, and, and that until we see feeder cattle outperforming live, we're still very bearish to cattle, the cattle you know, complex as a whole. Jump in the fence. Let's look at the sluggish trade that we've seen in this hog market. 
What are your thoughts? Yeah, we're, we're actually seeing even greater pullback in net trade in, in hogs, and, and that's problematic. Uh, remember, China, you know, a couple of years ago had a significant reduction in their uh, hog herd due to a restructuring of their industry, but now, you know, they're... And their hog herds are just really back on the rise, and that means that they're going to be producing a lot more pork at home, and that will mean less than imports. And we've seen Chinese imports really fall off quite a bit. And, and so when we see one of the largest buyers of, of hogs reducing their intake at a time when U.S. supplies are continuing to grow at a very rapid pace, it's very, very hard to see that kind of a market heading into the second quarter. John, what's the best way for our producers and listeners out there to reach out to you if they want to talk more about the markets that we discussed today? Well, our website at hackettadvisors.com is, is a great way. Uh, another way is to email us at sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackettadvisors.com, 61573-3766. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.